We are back with another edition of the Footy LG podcast. Guys, we got a very special episode today. Today on the hosting channels, you got myself, Nico, as always, and then we got Dante as well. Dante, what's going on, brother? Uh, everything's good, Nico. You know, it's a Saturday. We're recording hey. live. We're on the Footy dream LG, team's back, baby. baby. You know, the original <laughs> two that started this all. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Oh, man, man. You know what? You know, we, we packed a heater for you guys. We haven't done this in a while, but we have a special guest for this pod. He's been on it before, so he's a friend of the show. Uh, however, last time he was on it, I wasn't on it, and this guy is a Man City fan and an AC Milan fan, which means one thing. I only like half of him. Uh, please welcome <laughs> back to the show, Joe. Joe, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I've been singing Old Trafford is Falling Down for the last 10 days. Uh, it's been a very, very wonderful, wonderful week and a half watching Man U lose to Bayern Munich the other day was uh, what they call a cherry on top for me. So <laughs> life's great. You know, it, it's, it's, it's funny, though, because up until now, I didn't realize Manchester City actually had fans. You know, I thought they were all. Just it's true. It's true. Internet. Yeah, it's true. That joke is recycled so much. It's actually fighting climate change. So it's, it's really good. Um, the one fan that I am uh, is, is quite thrilled with with how the team is performing, uh, albeit Premier League aside this year. They've been they've been pretty strong in general. So you guys can't win it every year. Come on. Like, what do you what do you expect? <laughs> well, it's true. It is like it's funny because, you know, what's the discourse amongst fans out there? It's the best league in the world. It's the most competitive league in the world. Fastest paced, strongest athletes. Best medical teams, best coaching staff, all of that. You want to go down the list. Um, and, and Manchester City effectively have dominated since Pep's arrival in 2016. They've won five in the last eight seasons, which is unheard of. Yep. Uh, and I think four in a row, ha if they were to win this year, would be an would be the first time I think that's ever happened in the history of of the Premier League itself. And I think only the second time in the FA's history, which was birthed in, what, 1870-something or 1860-something, yeah. um, which would be pretty unbelievable. I definitely went into this year with um, the expectation that every single opponent was going to be like Mel Gibson and Braveheart. Like they were going to do whatever they had to do to stop us from winning again because that's the nature of it, right? You don't want to let the league become a farmer's league. So a lot a lot of these teams are going to do everything in their power to uh, take down the giant, if you will. Yeah, you're not wrong, man. And you know what, though? It's, it's something you just mentioned there that I've been thinking about over this past week with the Champions League uh, group stage wrapping up. You know, EPL was, well, in my opinion, is the best league in the world. Um, but when you look at the top teams in EPL now versus La Liga, versus Syria, even versus the Bundesliga. Um, EPL's only got two in the in the remaining stages of Champions League. You got La Liga, who I believe has four teams still in. I believe Germany has three or four. And I think Syria has two as well. Maybe three. I think they have two. Um, Inter and Lazio. So yes. I mean, Lazio survived. Lazio, yeah. Lazio when, survived by the skin of their teeth. That's right. So, yeah. But when you're looking at the Champions League finals now, only two teams representing England like I get Man City is right now bar none the greatest team in the world I mean they won it all last year Champions League EPL like they're, they're doing look like they could do it again this year but outside of them and you know Arsenal who I think we all know has a history of choking um yeah <laughs> they're like the Toronto Maple Leafs of Europe it, exactly so I mean yeah. what it is is it as scary at the top of that prem table to the rest of the world as it used to be or is now everyone kind of saying you know what maybe they're not as good as we think interesting i'd love to hear dante's perspective too but what what i think as far as that is the english schedule is something that needs to change i don't think the english teams need to be playing four tournaments in a year like the the, the whole quadruple idea is so preposterous to me like why have a league cup and an fa cup what is the obsession with having both? I mean, one of them they call the energy drink trophy. The fans don't even take it seriously. Um, yeah. I know Manchester United won it in 2016, which I think was their last piece of silverware since the 2010-2011 Premier League. But I just, like, people dismiss it. They don't even take it seriously. Yeah. I know yeah, Man, Joe, Man City I lost to Newcastle this year in the League Cup, and 
I don't even think any citizen supporters lost sleep at all. Yeah, Joe, you're absolutely right, man. I, I think three should be like the max from a, from a cup perspective. Um, when you get into four, then it's it just gets ridiculous. Um, and it's just we're just, you know, handing out trophies to whatever the cause is. And there's no there's no real value to them. Right. Um, but truthfully, in my opinion, there should only be two. There should be your league and the Champions League. I don't really Agreed. believe in a domestics cup. Um, I think, you know, it's just a waste of time. And, you know, like, why would you have somebody in the Premier League play a fifth-tier team? I, I don't know. I've never heard of that concept in my life. I I mean, obviously it's there, but and I've heard of it. But, um, you know, it's just it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it for the fans. Uh, it's only worth it for that fifth-tier team where it's like, hey, yeah, we get to play Manchester City, a billion-dollar organization, and, you know, we're worth about, like, $10,000 each. So, <laughs> Yeah, you know, there's some truth to that. It, it's tough, you know, man. It's, 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 it's exhausting. Tough. It's exhausting. Yeah, because you're packing all these games. You're packing them in. Like, yeah. So this is what I mean by the English teams not progressing in the Champions League. I don't think it's directly – in correlation to their strength as a team. I think it's just their schedules are absolutely preposterous. There there was one week Liverpool had last season where they had four games in a week. Like that yeah. to me is just it doesn't make so sense. Right. I don't think it ever will make sense to me. Yeah, they have to they have to put a stop to that. Um, you know, and and, and you know, like it, it doesn't matter to from like for example, Europa League is is fine, but uh you know, where Liverpool's in, but at the same time, like these FA Cups, these Carabao Cups and all this random mumbo jumbo, it's just, yeah, it's not worth it. So I, I, I'd just like to make a quick correction there, Joe. I know you said the last t- title for a Man U was the 2015-16 FA Cup. I guess we forgot about the Europa League Man U one with Jose Mourinho the year after that. <laughs> oh, no. they won a Europa League with Mourinho? Oh, yeah. yeah oh, no, but they won the League Cup won. last year to Newcastle, and I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah, but I don't count. I, like, like you guys said, those the League Cups, shit like that, the, the three, like the FA Cup, the Premier League are the two big ones. You know, the Carabao Cup, the EFL Cup, the Football League Cup, whatever the hell they call it every other year, depending who's sponsoring them. I think it's Carabao now, the energy drink. It, yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. you know what? It's, it's, just irrelevant to me. You know, I don't get why teams even play their full full uh, squads on these games. You're, like you said, the schedule is so condensed that you should just be playing your kind of second team when you're going into these games. I don't really take it seriously. But, hey, you know what? It's nice to win a, a title, I guess. But to me, it's, it's absolutely unnecessary. But it's funny we talk about this because something else is going on over on our side right now, Joe. I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know if you follow MLS too much. But the MLS announced yesterday that the U.S. Open Cup, which is essentially – the MLS's version of the FA Cup, however, only U.S. teams can compete. No Canadian teams can compete, and they have kind of like their second division go. They actually announced that the MLS will no longer be sending their teams to the U.S. Cup and instead will be sending their second division teams, so what we call MLS Next Pro. Those teams will now be competing in the oh, U.S. That's Cup. Good. And the fans, the fans are up in arms, apparently. They're saying it's a disgrace. They're saying uh, they're uh, making a mockery of their own domestic cup, and they hate it. Really? Oh See, God. well, I do follow MLS to answer your question. I'm a big Toronto FC fan. I got to represent the home city. But um, yeah, that's upsetting. Why would fans hate that? I, I think it would be great exposure to your young players, good practice. I don't see the issue with it at all. I, I, I completely agree with you. I don't know what the issue is. I mean, if Toronto FC said, hey, we're not going to send our team to the Canadian Championship anymore, I don't think I'd bat an eye. Yeah, Nico, you know what it is? It's an American thing. Like, they're just obsessed with with trophies and titles, right? Like, look at the NBA. We got an in-game season garbage that... Oh, that's pathetic. You know, I can't even watch it. You know, yeah. like, like, why would anyone even give two shits about that? You know what I mean? Because now course, LeBron's the GOAT. Does MJ exactly. have an in-league in, in cup tournament win? No, exactly. only LeBron does. <laughs> exactly. And how fitting for the Lakers, right? It's like... <laughs> You know, you couldn't script it any better, right? Oh, don't even get me started on the NBA in-season tournament. How about you just reduce the number of games in a year and just yeah. shut the fuck up about it? Like, what What are we doing? What are we doing? These guys don't want to play 82 games. 
They clearly no don't care. And yeah. and so why are we why are we shoving this down their throats? And the fans that like it, I get it, because like a team like Indiana, that just never is going to win a title ever, and that's just the reality of things. They're just so snake bitten. Maybe a team like Indiana can hoist a trophy once in a while, or a team like <laughs> Oklahoma City maybe one year can catch some lightning in the bottle, or even the Raptors, who it appears will never smell a championship ever again. May that 2019 season rest in peace. It was one of the best years of my life. But it, it's so stupid to me. And in, in, in soccer, in football, what we're talking about, it's the complete opposite. And the players are forced to play. And they do. Like, they, they, they complain, but they do step on the field and they play. It's not like NBA players where they make up injuries or they do, like, load yeah. management nonsense. Like these guys do step on the field and play, even and if they hate it. a lot of money involved. There's that's a lot yeah. of money involved. That's it right there, Dante. It's all about the money. Any way they can bring in more ratings, more money. And that's what I think these little tournaments are as well, too, man. Like that, even like the Carabao Cup, like we're saying, it's all about just bringing in that little bit more revenue for the club um, to, to, to keep things afloat. And, and it sucks when you see the sport that you love uh, be kind of turned into the business that it is. But it just seems like that's the situation we're in and we just got to deal with it. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, Nico. By the way, as we're reporting, uh, Rico Lewis just bagged in goal number two for the Blues. Up to nothing, yeah. Um, Rico (laughs) Lewis in your nightmares, Premier League fans. Just remember that. 18 years old. Um, No, but you're right, Dante, and I agree. It's just, you know, I was in England. Obviously, I live in London. And I was in London. I was at Wembley for Man United Newcastle. And I thought that was the most life-changing experience because you had these people from seven hours away in a small little medieval town in Newcastle, which is beautiful, by the way. Um, One of the best fan bases on the planet, the Geordies, you ask anybody, they are, they are incredible. Like from start to finish, they are screaming. And uh, they were at that league cup finals. The first time Newcastle had a sniff of a trophy in how many years, something outrageous, like 60 years. Something like that. So and they're only going to get better. So that's what the League Cup was invented for. Was for that. Obviously, Newcastle is rich now with their now, new owner. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but you could still argue that the Eddie Howe Jordy's making it to the final a year ago is a pretty great story because they were still not the cream of the crop as far as English teams at that at that point in time. They were still maybe eighth best in the league at that point at best right yeah they, they started slow oh yeah. yeah yeah so that's what the league cup was invented for to our point but it's to dante's point which i think is ultimately correct out of the three of us is yeah it's a it's a money machine now right well it's it's good that we're kind of talking about the money because it kind of segues us into our next kind of little segment that we want to talk about joe i mean bringing you on here you obviously bring a wealth of knowledge as both a soccer fan and and as your kind of day-to-day life you're all about that money you know and and your team man city they've been fucking around a little bit with the fifa fair play now you see other teams getting these penalties handed down for them for what's going on but then you see a team like man city who has like what was it 115 strikes against them now according to what they've done and they're saying hey yeah we'll deal with it next season like what what's going can you give some more insight onto what's going on with this whole financial fair play rules and everything that's been going on behind the scenes with man city and what's going on around uh, also around the world with that ffp i mean sure um the the big issue especially with brexit now is that the premier league fa has taken it amongst themselves to have their own governing rules of ffp beyond Europe's scope of governing worlds. So as we know, there's FIFA, then there's UEFA, and then the leagues answer to UEFA. That's how it's always been. And the charges usually were levied down by UEFA to the teams. But now each league has decided to take on a branch of their own FFP, obviously to leaven the burden of UEFA doing all of it. But also... There's this issue of competitiveness, which I think the teams have complained about in the past. Now, I typically in in England, I've worked in in insolvency law, uh, bankruptcy law, which I think pertains more to Everton's penalty, right? So to explain to to the people listening, uh, Everton, 
got levied a penalty for not reporting profits for three straight seasons, right? Now, in the history of the sport, they've been harsher on teams that lose money than make money, which is North Americans, the three of us, that's such a foreign concept. The idea in yeah. North American leagues is, well, we need to help the struggling teams for the good of the league, right? Yeah, um, yeah literally. But in Europe and all over the world, but Europe especially, there's this weird superiority complex that these leagues adapt, which is we are the best. And to be here, you have to pay your way. You have to carry your weight. And a lot of these financial fair play rules are surrounded by the idea of spend all the money you want as long as you're promoting profits. As long as you're making money, you're allowed to spend the money. Right. And, and the idea does make sense in a way, because then if I'm a Manchester City, I can just spend a billion dollars every year and report losses Which without what penalty, doing, hasn't it? Right. Yeah, well, no. So, so again, <laughs> the, these charges are extremely different. Um, Everton's charge is they lost money. They reported losses and weren't doing, I guess the legal jargon would be not doing everything in their power to report a profit. Like not doing everything they possibly could to report a profit. And as far as Everton is concerned, unfortunately, that is the truth. They were going to buy Ducures and McNeil's and yeah. Calvert Lewins, even though the team wasn't making money. And I understand you want to compete, but you got to make money to compete. It's 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 such a catch twenty two. And I, I do feel bad so, for Everton because they only reported something like 19 million pounds in losses, which basically is equates to a purchase of a bench player nowadays with the way the market's inflated. Um, yeah, if that. If that. And so that, that to me is too harsh of a penalty. I'm going to make that point right now. I thought that was a little bit ridiculous. But I think the Premier League was making the point of saying, listen, we've told you guys year after year, we've warned you year after year to make money. We've warned you. We've given you three years now, right? And you haven't fixed that. But to Everton's argument, which I think is fair, is that, well, how the hell could we compete if we don't spend the money to stay up? Otherwise, they would have been relegated, which is their argument. Um, but Leicester did it that way. Leicester sold their players and sacrificed the quality of the team and ultimately got relegated, unfortunately. Obviously, they had some bad luck uh, yeah, involved with injuries. But Leicester took the bullet got relegated and avoided the FFP charges, right? Everton yeah. didn't do that. And so Leicester didn't receive any penalties, and now they're first in the championship. They're going to get right back to the Premier League as if nothing happened. As we know, Leicester's dominating the, the second division with Enzo yeah. Maresca, who I think is one of the best managers on earth right now. Um, but going back to this, Manchester City is being accused of something gravely different. And a lot of the charges are duplicate. So to explain... The 115 charges span over eight seasons from 2008 to 2016. So one is probably thinking, how could they have 100 charges in only eight years? But the charges revolve around reported revenues that are either false or inflated revenues from sponsorship. So wow. the, what the FFP is arguing is that Manchester City got X amount of money from Etihad Airways, not what they reported. So now the numbers haven't been released to the public, which I think is frustrating. I would love to see the actual numbers, but I guess during a legal proceeding, you can't really release important information like that to the public. It's obviously private. There's security risks, all of that. I understand that. But Manchester City is being accused of taking more sponsorship revenue, sorry, taking less sponsorship revenue in than they actually did. That's the crux of the accusation. So they're basically, it would be like Nico owns a business dry cleaners, Nico's dry cleaners. And Nico's dry cleaners has a subsidiary company that he also owns, right? Like Nico's restaurant. And Nico's restaurant is advertising in the dry cleaners. <laughs> and and they're, they're basically saying that Nico's restaurant did not give Nico's dry cleaners $25,000 a month for the ads. They only gave them $10,000 a month. That's the, that's the accusation. And the duplicate charges are from this sponsor, from this sponsor, from this sponsor. So 115 counts, they're saying, are from different sponsorship deals. 
That's really what it is. But there there might have been 41 charges in 2008, 11 charges in 2009. Go down the list. Okay? So that's the, the crux of the point. My problem with the whole proceeding is they got found guilty by UEFA for the exact same things. So it even went beyond charges. They got found guilty. They even got banned from the Champions League. I don't know if people remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay? Yeah. Manchester City went to the CAS, which is one of the biggest arbitrary bodies on the planet, which I think they're headquartered in Switzerland, but please don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% sure. But they went to the CAS, and the CAS found that, A, the charges that they were being charged for, the paperwork wasn't filed in time. You ask any civil litigator, which is a part of the practice I work in, you ask any civil procedural lawyer, no judge is ever forgiving if you don't hand in a form on time. So there's a lot of gray areas here. Manchester City got away with that is what a lot of people think on a technicality. But then there's also a big portion of the legal community, especially in the sport, that thinks, no, Manchester City's lawyers filed on time. They filed with confidence. They believe they're innocent. And they won fair and square because they followed the rules, whereas the other parties didn't. And they believe that they are doing the same thing with the Premier League. They're following the rules. They're being transparent by all accounts. From what I hear within the community, I, I don't know, though, because the sources I have aren't guaranteed. But from what I hear is that they're submitting their paperwork. They've given the Premier League full access to their financials, full access. And they believe they're innocent and that they're going to get away with it. The crux of the problem, guys, and this is the Premier League's fault. Why are you allowing teams that own other businesses sponsor their own teams? Why is that happening? Get rid of that. Like Etihad Airways is owned by the Dubai Royal Contingent that owns Manchester City. Why are you allowing that? They're naming their own stadium, right? So it goes back to that. Clean up your house. Clean up your house. Don't deduct 10 points from Everton because they're trying to win. Clean up your house. That's stupid to me. You know? So, so you know what? This is actually, like, very good points. This is, like, making it as clear as day because, honestly... I didn't look into it too much, and I was yeah. a little bit confused by the that whole situation. So th thank you so much for coming on here and cle clearing what it is, because now it makes more sense. My, my thing, I think my biggest issue still is from the general fan's point of view, because, again, all this intro stuff, you know, you got to dig and you got to know what you're doing to look to find this information, or you just got to follow the Footy LG pod and listen to our good friend Joe explain it for you <laughs> as clear as day. But my issue is you're an Everton team. You are now sitting one spot above relegation, four points out of relegation now because you got a 10-point deduction and you're looking at a team like Man City and regardless how different the charges are, this team has 115 breaches over a nine-year period and I don't think the issue is the breaches or what's happening. I think the issue is when the league says, we'll deal with this next summer. But you guys are getting your 10-point deduction now. I think it's the, a fair the, point. I think it's a fair point. The way the teams are treated, I feel, even though it may be proper due to what the, what the charges are and whatnot, at the end of the day, when you're just looking at it from an outside point of view, it just looks like, okay, Everton was charged, Man City was charged, Everton's getting these points dropped right now, Man City they're not worrying about until the season's over. Like, it just seems like teams get treated differently, which, again, would make sense from a business standpoint. Your Man Cities are your fucking, your horses, you know, you want them up, you don't want to screw them over any anyway because they're what's bringing in the most revenue to your league from outside viewers because they are the best team in the world. But Everton's not, so let's slap them with a 10-point deduction and throw them in 17th place when they're actually, contrary to past years, Everton's been having a good year. That's true, they have. Everton yeah. are competitive. Guys, yeah, and, and they'd, be, they'd be in 10th place if it wasn't for that deduction. They would, and I understand that. And I understand the, the frustration amongst fans. Like, why is one thing taking longer than the other? I think the simple answer to that, because it's not a simple answer, but the, the simplest I can answer that is one thing has about maybe 60 pages of paperwork that spans over three years, and it's only one issue, versus 115 over plus yeah. plus 10 pages for each charge because if you ever see a charge levied by the court there's at least a, it's at least a six page document in the united kingdom um so times that by 115 over an eight-year period plus what they're trying to prove is way more difficult than what everton did 
right? Like, how could you, here's the thing too, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that are so hell bent on the idea that for sure Man City's guilty. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them. You have a royal family from a country that deals in commodities that are world purchased, that have a lot of money and have a lot of influence and a lot of power, right? So there's yeah. going to be skepticism. There's going to be skepticism for sure. Um, but how can you possibly prove that? Like, how can I prove that Nico's restaurant only gave Nico's dry cleaners X amount of money? How do yeah, you possibly prove that? And how do you go back 12 years? Banks can only yeah. give you certain information because banks don't owe it. Years I worked there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and, and the banks don't owe it to the FA to give them everything. Yeah. They have a confidentiality agreement with the client. So they don't have to give right. them anything. The FA is not the Supreme Court of Justice. The yeah. Premier League is not the Supreme Court where there's someone involved in, in, in fraud or anything like that. That's not what they're being accused of. They're being accused of maybe lying about revenues, which is it is it is fraudulent to in the eyes of the law, it's fraudulent, but it's not fraudulent as far as the public's view and how they've conducted themselves. They haven't used that money in an illegal way. They've used it, quote unquote, to play a sport. If you will, they weren't using the it to, the day, to hide Joe, drug sales, right? I'm gonna call a spade a spade here. Okay? Yeah, there's a lot of cash coming under the table. For sure, we all know it. I agree with that. It. We just don't know how much. All right, and you know, there's a lot of, you know, I don't want to say laundering and things like that. But, no, but it is to an extent. You know, it You're opens, right. Exactly, it opens the eyeballs for that, and you know, when you call a spade a spade, that's what it looks like from the eyes of everybody so and i and i respect it that's the point it's like i respect the public's yeah. outrage i respect yeah. both of your your outrages on the opinion and i do think this should have been dealt with quicker than everton's charge but the premier league has the right and reserves the right to retroactive retroactively charge so whether it happens this year or next year is irrelevant as long as it happens is the point um, but with Manchester City, guys, I'm not going to sit here and say they're angels. That's not what I'm going to do because I think that's disingenuous and I don't think that's fair to the people listening. There's, they clearly definitely did something for this. You, you don't just get 115 charges because you're a good boy and you show up to school on time and you get it straight A's. That doesn't, yeah. That's not how that works. I'm not going to sit here and say that. But it's just impossible to prove. And the, the realist in me, knows that it's going to be a, a financial fine and the Premier League is going to divide the funds amongst themselves and quote-unquote give it back to the poorer teams. Who knows what they're going to do? I don't know what they're going to do. But it, it's the fans are not going to be happy with the outcome is the is the crux of this point, if, if you guys get what I'm getting at. 100%. Yeah, no, for sure. Well, you know what? And, and this is very eye-opening, and this is good to hear. So, again, Joe, thank you for coming on the show today, man, because this is this is very beneficial. Again, for, for, for people listening, I know normally uh, this one, this pod will be dropping this Thursday. Um, normally we do it Wednesday, so that's why we haven't been talking about, like, all the England results. We're talking about the Man City's up to – because we're filming this on a Saturday morning so we can get Joe on the show. Joe, this was fantastic information, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on and telling us this. Um, I, I kind of want to switch it now. So now we kind of got the fair play stuff. I kind of want to take take it to a little bit more of a of a different area. Um, last week on the show, we debuted a new segment called Footy El Gauntlet. And I had Tony run the gauntlet. And Dante can attest to this. When it comes to trivia and soccer trivia, Tony's the man. I agree. Okay. Not even close. He could <laughs> not. He did not complete the gauntlet. <gasps> Shock. So, no. <laughs> We're gonna put you through the gauntlet today and see how 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 well you do. Oh God, I hope I do well. I'm I get nervous with these things, boys. So this is where it gets <laughs> tricky because it's it's five different questions and you have sixty seconds to answer all five. And how it starts is I'll say something along the lines of name five, so, so and so, and you got to name five, and then it's name four, name three, name two, name one, and it gets progressively harder as we get to the name one side. Oh, this is spicy. Okay. You, you have 60 seconds. Tony, just so you know, got to the question, the second last question before his time ran out. So he didn't even get to the final question. So, okay. it's, so you have 60 seconds from after, from once I finish the first question, you have 60 seconds from there to get to the end of the gauntlet. Dante, start and practicing because next time you're on pass, the show. Right? Next time you're on the show, you're getting on too. Yeah, you can pass if you want, but you got to come back to it at the end. 
So, yeah. Joe, are you ready? <laughs> I guess uh, I guess I have no choice but to be ready. Okay. See, see, people, for the people listening, I didn't tell them I was doing this before, so I could fully catch them off guard and give them no chance. Oh, I, I have pooped myself for sure. <laughs> All right. So, Joe, once I stop telling you the first question, that's when your time will start. Are you ready? I am ready. Name me five professional football teams that start with the letter W. Wrexham, Wycombe, Wellington. Uh, w, what? Uh, Verda Bremen and uh, West Ham United. There you Perfect. Go. Name me four Premier League stadiums. Uh, Emirates at Old Trafford and Anfield. Name me three former Italian national football team coaches. Roberto Mancini, Giovanni Trapattoni, Marcello Lippi. Perfect. Name me two Canadian center backs. Oh, pass. Gotta come back to that. Name me one American who has won the Champions League. Christian Pulisic. All right, final. Name two Canadian center backs. Oh, my God. This is awful. I'm embarrassed. And that's time. Oh, I, I wasn't oh going to get it anyway. God, I'm embarrassed. I, I, oh I should God. know that answer. I'm embarrassed. You did well. This? Sure, go ahead. Go ahead, oh, Dante. that was so close. Steven Vittoria and Kamal Miller. There you Kamal go. Miller. That's uh, what I was thinking of. Damn it. I would have uh, said Vittoria, but I couldn't get the second one, so I just didn't bother. Damn it. Listen, oh, listen, Joe, you, you did amazing, you, man. You, I thought you, you had did, it. You did a very respectable job for your first time running the footy LG gauntlet, man. I got to give you props. It was very close. You know what? I spent too long on the first one, oh, I think. Epic. That was my mistake. And you know what? And when you actually think about it, you go, okay, you know, W, what's W? But you missed some big ones. Wolverhampton. Wolves. Oh, the Wolves. Damn Which, it. You know, that was the one that I, I was That's a Tony top. fan. Tony's a fan of yeah. Wolves, right? Oh, yeah. Me. I'm, a, I'm a big Wolves guy. No, Nico, Ooh, you know, Nico, I thought, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, the, port, the Portuguese, right? Like, they, yeah, they, both they, of them they were, were, they were the Portugal's development team for so long. But No, but after you flew through that, you flew through the next few, and you know what? You had a real shot. No, you killed it. You killed it, Joe. You killed uh, it. By the way, Mateta just scored for Crystal Palace. It's now 2-1 Man City. Just uh, a little bit nervous having no, him in the background. While we're here, we got we got a quick update on the game. So you got, yeah, like we just said, Man City. We got the Newcastle game as well going on right now, which I believe last time I checked is 2-0 we'll ca- uh, Newcastle over Fulham. It still is, yeah. And then we also have Chelsea playing today. Uh, mid-table Chelsea, as I like to call them now. Who are up two nothing on Sheffield United? <laughs> which you might think, hey, that's a nice win for Chelsea. Finally, until you realize Sheffield United is the worst team in the Premier. So, yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't call that much much of a win. But but, get, but getting back to the pod here. Um, so Dante, let me know. And, and Joe, we talked about this a bit before. Uh, it's not too often we get to have someone who was actually at a Champions League game the week before the pod give kind of their reaction to what happened. And you kind of were at one of the biggest games over this past week. Newcastle versus AC Milan. It was a must win for both teams and they needed Borussia Dortmund to take care of business if any of them wanted to get through. Unfortunately, it was a fantastic game. AC Milan, who I'm a big fan of this year, uh, they got the win right at the end in exciting fashion, but it wasn't meant to be as they did not get through because uh, PSG tied Dortmund. Uh, Why don't you give me what was it like at the game? What was the feeling like? And what was it like when Milan got that goal late at the end to win it? Yeah, no, I, I, well, first of all, to, to refer back to my point about the Geordies and the Newcastle fans, um, I was so incredibly impressed with a, how they conducted themselves. Obviously they were, they were antagonizing the away supporters outside while we did our bandito curva sud march to the stadium, which is normal though. It's normal. That happens everywhere we go. Um, but they are so loud and so passionate about the black and white there. It's pretty cool. I I've, I don't think I've ever experienced anything like that. I think the closest thing was the Manchester City Real Madrid semifinal that I was at um, in the summer or in the spring this year. But um, 
as soon as we got there, it was screaming. It the, the place was shaking. Uh, the Champions League anthem. I I don't think I've ever heard a fan base scream the champions that loud before. <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty bone chilling. Uh, obviously, the game started. Newcastle was was dominant. Actually, in that first half, I was. Yeah. I was I was trying to get some air. I couldn't breathe. I was I was going to travel seven hours by coach bus from London to Newcastle to watch <laughs> my team absolutely get slapped. Was, was my thoughts. And um, second half comes. Okay, so you got to remember if you ever if you ever watch any AC Milan games, any Serie A supporters out there, if you ever watch them, you have the Bandito, you have the Curva Sud, which are some of the craziest supporters on earth, and they oh, go yeah. to every game. It's their life. They go to every game. Um, and we were with them, naturally, as the away supporters are kind of grouped together. We marched with them to the game. We chanted with them the entire game. Obviously, we followed their lead. Luca Lucci had the megaphone and was telling us, okay, we're singing this song now. Here we go. They had the big drums. They had the flares. They had the megaphone. It was, it was surreal to be a part of that. I've never been a part of that in that just, capacity. It was surreal. Set up at Chetiamo, eh? Like, oh no, we were we were screaming. <laughs> I lost my voice. I I sounded like um I sounded like a smoker that's been smoking for eighty seven years. Uh, after that game, because we were just screaming, we were, we were literally screaming. Second half rolls around, we tie the game. They were checking VAR, and you had Italian men swearing obscenities. Monkey VAR, mother you know. Anyway, <laughs> VAR check was about 10 seconds, thank God. As soon as Christian Pulisic scored the equalizer, it, the, the, the fan base downstairs, because we were upstairs in the away section, the fan base downstairs, you could see they started to get nervous. Because I think any football fan out there knows when you have a lead and you give it up and the away supporters are screaming... You so, feel the momentum shift. It's a real thing. And I experienced oh yeah. that for the first time. I've never experienced that before. I've seen it on TV. I've always seen it on TV and crossed my fingers and said, okay, maybe we can salvage this. And then it doesn't happen. Uh, but this time around, I was there and I was on the right side of it. And it was, it was a life-changing experience. I'll never forget it. And when Samuel Chukwese scored the second goal, when I tell you, it was pandemonium. And that if you see the highlights, by the way, you'll see a red hood and a black jacket. That's me. Okay. Gotta keep my eyes out now. Literally screaming and crying. I just didn't know what to do with myself because I had been screaming the whole game for like I'm like, oh, it's just gonna end in a one-one drop. But when he scored that goal, anyway, the scenes were pretty incredible. And I think every visiting supporter, every AC Milan supporter, didn't even care that Dortmund couldn't take care of business because we were just so proud of what they did in that environment. Cause like I told you, the Geordies are something else. The Geordies are crazy about their football. The, the fan base is historic. They're rabid. Um, and so to do it in that environment, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool to see. So I think everybody was happy with the Europa league result, but they're going to, they're going to end up playing in the Europa league. We're fine with it. It's, it's what it is. Um, yep. Would have been nice though if if they could have just held on against PSG. But what are you gonna do? Can't have your cake and eat it too, you know. Yeah, you know what? That that is the thing. You know, at least they did get Europa, which is nice. Uh, Newcastle drops down to nothing, which I feel like is unfair to Newcastle. Their first Champions League, they get thrown into a, the group of death immediately, um, and they and they get unlucky with some of the results that they had. You know, I I think they kind of did deserve a little bit better. They did. You know what? As a Milan fan myself, I'm happy with the result. Newcastle was the better team that game. Um, yeah, I, I know sometimes when you're watching it live, especially with the heat, you can see I'm, I'm telling you right now from watching it at home, Newcastle was the better team. Milan just had Lady Luck on her side that day, you know, and that's all you yeah. need sometimes. It's all yeah, you need. I agree. But Newcastle's a team that went into PSG and drew them. Newcastle's a team that went into Milan at the start and drew them. Um, and it's a team that dominated PSG 4-1 at home. I, I really think Newcastle deserved better than what they got, but that's 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 Champions League sometimes, you know? It's just what you get. Well, let exactly. me ask you two a question, because this is what I felt after watching Newcastle PSG. Because I know I watched Milan Dortmund, and Milan lost to Dortmund that game 
think it was three one. That was the killer. That, that was, was the killer. killer. That was that was when I knew in my true heart that we weren't going to do it. Even though we beat PSG to stay alive, I knew it was over after the three one. But back to this point. After watching that four one beating that Newcastle gave PSG, and when when I say beating, you guys watch the sport, you know. Forget possessional. Oh, yeah. yep. Which Newcastle had an edge over. Forget chances created, shots on target, which which Newcastle did beat PSG in. But balls won. I think what they almost doubled successful challenges over PSG, which is very hard to do with a team that yeah. has Mbappe, Hakimi, and and their their group of talent. But they literally smothered them. And I looked at the TV screen. I looked at my buddies that I was with the, the Milan club guys. And I said, I think we might be seeing a renaissance from this team. Like, I think we might finally see Eddie Howe ball. And unfortunately we just didn't see it. But did, did you, did you think Newcastle was going for the stars after that game? I thought they were going to win the freaking champions league. I thought they were going to win the group after that. At least. Yeah. At least the group. That's what I'm saying. They, they, had, Dortmund, they had bad Dortmund, luck. Yeah. Dortmund yeah. had their number, took them twice. Yeah. And that was the difference. Exactly. That was the difference. It's crazy. I mean, you know, it's it's unfortunate for a team like Newcastle, and it's unfortunate for a team like Milan too. I mean, they they both had guys. Outings. What a tournament that is! It, it, I'm I'm a purist, so I believe it's better than the World Cup because I truly think you see the the best in the world from all over the world in that tournament. Like you would never see a Mo Salah in a, in a World Cup just because of the country he plays for. You well, never so would have I'm, seen I'm a Samuel Atto as well. I'm worse well than you then, Joe. I'm worse than you. I don't only think it's better than the World Cup. I think if you think the World Cup is a more prestigious trophy than the Champions League, you're an idiot. I agree because with champ- that. Champions yeah, I, agree. I totally agree with that. Players, yeah. The best players on the best teams play. Bingo. You don't have like you don't have just, oh, because you were born here, you have to be on this team. Bullshit. If I wanted the best guy from Brazil and the best guy from Germany and the best guy from Spain, I can buy them and get them on my team to, to compete in this tournament. It is the best trophy in the world as far as competitive football goes. Thank in my you. opinion. And I don't think it's close. It's not. It's really not. It's really I'm not. also I of the opinion Nico. that the Euro Cup Those is a base. more prestigious trophy than the World Cup from a pure talent perspective. But wait, that's that's another conversation. No, we that, can have another day. See, that's where that's where we <laughs> might we might disagree a bit, but that's fine. As long as as long as you have the Champions League number one, I think I respect yes. that opinion because it is truly best on best. If the the Copa America and the Euro Cup, I think are on the same level because oh. because you like the talents in South America are pretty unbelievable. Like Luis Diaz is one of the best players I've ever seen, and he's from yeah, Colombia. But. but uh, but outside of him, and I'm, I say this as a half Colombian myself, outside of Luis Diaz, the team fucking blows. No, that, but that's not true. You know that's not true. <laughs> Colombia's always but, been a, a, a strong team since 2010, I'd say. They've always been there. They've always been and there. They, but they've they always run, produced they run the same system. They have one or two superstars. So, like, before Luis Diaz, we had James Rodriguez and Falcao. Like, we had the superstars, but the team itself was never good, which is why they never really competed for a Copa America, which is why every year you have... What about Santiago Arias? What about uh, the um, Yeri Mina? What about Christian uh, Vasquez? Like, they have good players, man. They have really good players. Good, Good, not great. Like, when you're talking about your best center back barely makes the starting lineup for Everton in his prime, like, that's not that's not something to hang your hat on. No, but it's you know, not like bad. Don't get me wrong. They're good. They're one of the better South American teams. But my thing is, what, 10? Chile was good in the Copa Americas when they took yeah, out Argentina. Now. But again, they had Vidal. They had like a few other guys. But they weren't nothing special. When you look at Europe and you look at the top 10 of Europe versus South Copa America, which is only, I believe, what, 10 or 11 teams? 12, yeah. maybe? No, Copa America. Well, Copa America's, uh no, it's more than that. Isn't it 16 no, or something? This this year coming up will be sixteen, but that's because sixteen. They have to do invites from North yeah. America. Yeah, they have to do invites. So like yeah. the actual South American outside of I your guess Argentina, it is only twelve. Brazil, yeah, there is such a drop off in talent when you're like your bottom, like your nine ten is Bolivia and Peru. And when Peru, you look at the, t- yeah. the bottom ten in Europe, and you have still in the bottom ten your Netherlands, Poland, like all the teams like that. Like to me, there's the Euro Cup. There's just way more talent there way stronger, than there is yeah. in the. South, right, I in think the, you might Copa be swaying America. me. I think you might be swaying me. Although. If you want to say overall talent, then yeah, you're probably right about that. I think I just the quality of the tournament, as well. Like when I listen to guys like, um, you know, Pablo Zabaleta, or you know, some legends from back in the day like Batistuta or Ronaldo from Brazil, talk about how truly difficult it is to go to 
some of these smaller South American countries that are at altitude and yeah. try and go and try the, and yeah, win the a game. Base, yeah, right? yeah. The fan base definitely helps as well. Yeah, yeah. and like the, the fan bases are without a doubt in my mind crazier than European fan bases. I don't even think that's I, something to argue. A thousand percent agree. Yeah. So yeah. there there's different elements to the tournament, but the amount of talent that is from South America that is constantly flooded through Europe is pretty it's a pretty large number, which makes me hesitant to say one continent is better than the other. But you're probably right. On mass, there are better teams quantity wise in the Euro. That that's probably true. Like I think Poland can go into the Copa America and make the semifinal for sure. Yeah, I I, I I agree. And but when you look at all the talent that comes from South America, don't get me wrong. There's obviously your your one or two Colombians. You have a couple of Uruguayans, but the talents normally either Brazilian or Argentinian. Yeah, well, you have yeah. that guy on Brighton, um, Estupinian, who's from yeah. Ecuador. That's what, Ecuador. That's what I'm saying. You you get you get your one or two get from the few. other country. Yeah, exactly. But when, even like look at this last World Cup last year. After the group stage, only two South American teams made it to the next round, and that's Argentina and Brazil. You know what I'm saying? Like, exactly. It's it's. I'm not saying they're bad teams. And again, the Copa America as a tournament is super fun to watch. Um, like you said, the the fan bases, everything that makes the game. It's a very beautiful game as well. It's sometimes can be a very gross game the way that some of these tackles come in. Like it's very North American in that respect. That sometimes it's very very aggressive, but it is a great tournament to watch. I just think quality wise, um, it, it doesn't. Let's talk about quite, this. Actually, I want to. I want to do a quick little mini dive into this because I know you want to move on. But let's look at the the football benchmark official Big Five report on South American born players in Europe right now. Okay. Brazil Brazil leads the way by a, a mile with ninety two, but that's which is insane. Been the case. Brazil to wow. me is on a big downswing right now. Well, they may be on a downswing, but they still have a lot of players that get scouted, like the Hendricks yes. of the world and yes. the Vitor Roques and, and all of that. Um, obviously, Neymar when he was young. They have Argentina at 57, okay, which makes sense because a lot of Argentinian-born players get offered, but they like yeah. to stay in Argentina and play in the, the Primera, right? Then you, yeah. have, then you have Uruguay. Uruguay That's is 25. Okay. Yeah, you know, and and they're low key making a rise back up. They have a lot yeah. of talent on that team, um, and they have a lot of good players over the past five to ten years. They just need to be able to put it together. Valverde, for sure. Et yeah. For sure. Uh, Colombia with twenty, and then yes, there's a huge drop off. I think Chile has eight. Ecuador and Paraguay have an equal number at seven. Um, you know, because when I think of these countries, there is talents, but you're right. It's like one or two really good players from those countries, but then the rest of the team might be a little bit weak. Like, obviously, Miggy Almiron is from uh, uh, Paraguay. And, uh, you know, what? what's his name is from Chile, Vargas. Um, yeah. You know, there's Sanchez. Sanchez, then. Alexis. Well, he's, he's older yeah. now, but, yeah, he's, he's Chilean. Older, I know. Um, obviously, Sanchez, well, they were the dream team there. They had Vargas, Sanchez, and Vidal, Vidal right, when Vidal, they were winning the yeah. Copa Americas. But it's tough. I think you're right, Nico, ultimately. The the talent that comes from two or three countries max. But I, I just I have a I have a soft spot for Copa America, man. I, I think it's one of the best tournaments. It's so much fun. And, it and is, the, it, it the players really leave it on the field. Like they leave their blood on the field in that tournament. You could see it. You could just oh, see yeah. it. A, th a thousand percent there. There's there's no argument there. It is our, it could be one of the most exciting tournaments to watch, too. Uh definitely no argument there. I just think from an actual talent perspective. If if you put the Copa America and the Euro Cup together, you maybe have one team making it into the quarters from there, and that's probably Argentina. And actually, or, with, or the, Brazil, with the messy yeah. era, with the messy era going down slowly, it it might not even be anything because Brazil they're not that good. If you watch the past uh, Copas and even the World Cup, Brazil kind of you know they didn't look like themselves with Neymar getting older and his injuries t t um, uh, getting up there. They don't really have that guy, and their defense looks bad. Um, yeah, you exactly. look you look at. You look at Conan Bull's World Cup qualifying right now. I think Brazil's in like, I don't even think they're in top three. Yeah, it's shocking. No, they're they're fifth. Yeah, like, yeah, like you, they have Venezuela and Colombia and Uruguay above them. They're they're in sixth. Ecuador's in fifth right now. Brazil doesn't qualify. Yeah, that's sad. that's crazy. Like, 
they're they're on a downswing. Their defense is looking bad. They don't have that Neymar there right now to play for them, and and it's showing. So I I, I think the. South America, especially once Messi retires and everything, it's going to be on a bit of a decline on the world. A rebuild, stage. yeah, a transition. But, but the for one sure. thing, the one thing that you can't take away is that the Copa America will always be a phenomenal tournament to watch, just from a pure entertainment value. It, it, and especially, I'm super excited for the next one because you got the states in it, you got Mexico in it, you potentially have Canada if they could just not fuck up again. <laughs> <laughs> All we got to do is beat Trinidad, and we're in. So it's going to be a great. Can we do that though? Like, what a disaster! Can we uh, do that? Buddy, if, if, if we had another hour, we can get into Canada soccer and how awful <laughs> they have been uh, over the past, since, since the World Cup, how embarrassing they have been. But, you know, yeah. one game against Trinidad, and then, and then they get the group with uh, Argentina if they get in, though. Oh, so God. Do we want to watch that? Oh, dear that's, Lord. That's what I'm saying, you know. That, That'll be humbling. <laughs> it's, a decent, it's a decent group. Like, outside of Argentina, the other two teams aren't that great. It's... um. Argentina, Peru, and Chile. And Chile, again, an, a great team in the early to mid-2010s. Chile sucks now. And Peru's not that great either. So if Canada gets in, I'm not saying they can Guys, advance, stop it. We were saying this about the World Cup after we almost I beat know. Belgium, who sucked, yeah. by the way. Belgium sucked. <laughs> and then Croatia yeah, absolutely gonna, sent us to the shadow realm. So, I'm like, not let's not get ahead of ourselves. About, yeah. No. Let's not get anything about Canada right now. Like, let's I, not I, even I, go listen, there. I, I agree. All I'm saying is outside of that Argentina match, they can compete with Peru and Chile. Sure. They if that makes you feel Cup. better, Nico, I love you. But if that makes well, you feel better, then yeah, sure. No problem. Well, let's, let's, let's be honest here, though. In the World Cup, the game against Belgium, they deserved uh, uh, the win. They did. That penalty was but, bogus. That yeah. Belgium wasn't good. No. They competed against uh, Morocco, not so much. They got the only the one of the few teams to score against Morocco in the World Cup. Only two teams scored against Morocco. Portugal didn't, but Canada did. You also, know? So, Crystal I mean, Palace just equalized in the 97th minute yeah. on a penalty. A penalty. <laughs> yeah. Somebody kill me, please. Uh, shoot me in the face. Yeah. Olise with the penalty kick, man. Oh, that's brutal. Chelsea's that probably going to pay 200 million for Olise now. Yeah, agreed. Because and apparently, according to FFP, Chelsea has about two hundred billion dollars available to them every year. So yeah, well, I mean, uh, they, they make their money because their owner purchased Shohei Otani, but only pays him two million a year. <laughs> Man, this is all outrageous. What is there any rhyme or reason to anything anymore? Like I thought no, I knew it, something because Zero. I I I work at a law firm, but I guess I know absolutely fucking nothing. No, it's it's all fucking a, a, a big giant mess. There is what what is no the Wolf of Wall Street? Doug uh, Fugazi. It's all Fugazi. 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 <laughs> yeah. Oh man, listen. You know what? We could go on for hours. I feel man, we're having some great great convos here. But we we gotta wrap up somewhere. But before we wrap up, there's one thing I want to talk about. Uh, both with Dante and you, Joe. Okay. What are your feelings for Toronto FC this season? We got to bring some downers into it because this is a team that has made me hate my life over the past few few, few years. Um, I was so confident at the beginning of this season only to be shot down to earth. You know, as someone who doesn't care much for the two current Italians on the team, um, obviously me and Tony go back and forth because Tony absolutely loves Insignia. So we go back and forth on the value of them or whatnot. It looks clear <laughs> we're not getting rid of them. So what are our expectations with Herdman as the coach going forward? Joe, we'll start with you and Dante will let you finish us off today. Well, I mean, we all know how I feel about John Herdman. I, I don't really dislike John Herdman. I think he's limited in his abilities. And I'm, I, I'd be interested to see how he does on a league level because I don't think we've seen him on a league level in many years. Um, no. I think he's been an international manager for, for a really long time. Obviously, Michael Bradley uh, retiring kind of sucks because I really wish his last season – wasn't the absolute poo-poo fire that yeah yeah exactly and uh nico i guess i'll, I'll go to mine yep um dead last dead right last no changes nico dead last <laughs> uh you know i will be hammering everything against tfc this year um you know, we made a killing last year on just fading them. Yeah, oh yeah, the whole year. So, 
Uh, I don't see that changing at all. I mean, look at look at our roster. I mean, look at look at what we have, right? I don't nothing nothing you know changes yeah. to be honest. It's, nothing. It's it's tough, you know. I, I think we might have lost Joe there. Did we, Dante? I have no idea what happened I'm here, him, but I'm here. Oh, 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 oh he is. Oh, here. Oh, yeah, go. yeah. I'm just oh, listening to you guys. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> I thought you dropped. I thought you might have dropped off. I mean, I, I get it. This, when you listen to when you talk, got to talk about the TFC. TFC, yeah. Not, I don't blame. I, you. Well, I'm trying to think. Heart. Like I'm trying to think because obviously that roster is better than what they performed at. Like let's be, let's agree be, on it's that. The most expensive in the MLS. Yeah. So let's agree yeah. on that. I know we've talked about this in the past with Tony Dante. I I'll yeah. say. You know what I'll say? I'll say this. If the Italians give even a little bit of a fuck about the MLS next year, and I'm talking about Lorenzo and Federico, if they decide that they care a little bit, then we got a shot at something, maybe a playoff berth. I don't, I don't know, but it, I don't think anybody's excited about watching Christian Gutierrez and and Kobe Franklin next year. Like, let's be honest with each other, it, the defensive backfield is is nothing to write home about at all. And so I don't know how many goals they're going to be able to prevent. I really it's embarrassing. I'll tell you, if you want to make money this year, just fade TFC every game. <laughs> well, and, and they were such great odds last year because everyone thought they were oh, going to do good. And plus this, this, money this every ate, game. Ate up the, oh, no. I Listen, I, I made tons too. It's, it's tough because you're right. I do think, I strongly agree that if Lorenzo and Federico can actually be motivated to play and play at the same time and not have fake injuries that take them out for weeks at a time that they mm. can sit at home watching the games. If they actually play and they can play just to even 80% of their abilities, we can score goals. I agree. However, yeah. can we stop goals from going in our net? Because our defense is awful. Our goaltending was not great. And no. we did not do anything to address that so far. Um, and the season starts in two months. And our midfield was atrocious. That too. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping Herdman can somehow retool it. I don't know. I, I'm, again, I'm sure you guys spoke about it with Tony last time. You know how yeah. big of a fan Tony was with Herdman. He did not want that. Dante, I know how much you hate Herdman as <laughs> I well. I can't stand that. Guy. I've always been on the defensive side with Herdman. I thought, you know what? He retooled the Canadian women's team. He retooled the Canadian men's team. You can say the talent was there, sure. But no one expected them to do what they did in the World Cup qualifiers against Mexico, against the U.S. I, I do credit Herdman for a lot of that. Um, this is his real test, Nico. It, it is. This is a big test, but I think Herdman in the MLS, I think he can get it done. Ooh, that's a little optimistic, go... don't you think? I, I don't know. Yeah, I gonna, like you, Nico. I think you're a smart guy. But let's be honest with each other. Herdman going into the most toxic locker room in the world. Like let's 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 call what let's call it what media. it is. That locker room is a pile of of caca. It's just poo. Like there's well, nothing and, good and, and going and on in that's it. One of Herdman's skills, though, is when you look at a coach like a Bob Bradley who was here last year with the guys, he's not the type to my way or the highway. He's the type of I'm going to hide behind my son and <laughs> and have him and my select few favorite guys deal with stuff, and we're going to make a talk. And what eventually delves into a toxic locker room. Yeah, I don't think yeah. Herdman operates on that level. I think he'll be able to manage egos effectively. I think that's something he did well in Canada too, because you know, Canada, even though they're not a lot of talent, there is ego there. Like you got a guy like at the time, now obviously now he's in Vancouver, but before a guy like Junior Hallette has always been a guy that's been known to have a big ego and stuff like that coming in and stuff. And he managed him well. He put him to the bench. There was no issues. Like I think yeah. Herdman, mm -hmm. if he can manage the team's egos and put everyone in check of, hey guys, this is that's our goal. This, this is what we're doing, which I think he, has that type of mentality to do you know that that type that above the old you know uk-ish vibe like he's not gonna fuck around type things i think he has that mentality and i think that will work with toronto fc especially in the mls because i think he knows he'll just go to bernadeski and then say, say guys listen just give me 80 percent. that's all i'm asking that's what we need we're gonna yeah. play you where you're supposed to be played first off <laughs> yeah you know what nico I, i've always said like I, I i know i don't know why everyone's fixated with them on the wings but the best players got to be in the middle of the field, man. And, and that's, they, ain't they ain't touching the ball on the wings. And, 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 that, and that was Toronto's downfall last year. Yeah. You it, had them on the wings changes. feeding the ball to Adama Diomande <laughs> or Io Aganola yeah. or guys that just couldn't do anything with their service. It's true. That's true as well. I think they're, the, the positions of need they needed to address, they didn't, which is what Dante's no. so upset about. Yep. And so it would be interesting to see how they – even move forward from that. But I think those positions of need were magnified as being worse 
than they actually are because of the coaching situation, because of the locker room situation. If you get someone in there who organizes things a bit, maybe Herdman will serve his purpose his first year there. Maybe there will be a turnaround and then it'll fade just like every Herdman team does. It starts strong and then fades away. Um, you know, may, maybe that's what happens with TFC. Maybe that's what they need. They need to, because they pay Federico and, and, and Lorenzo 22 million in wages. Like yeah. they, we have just the those two guys, right? We have the most expensive team in the league and we're dead yeah. last. You got to figure it's it out. You can't be dead last, dead last with, with this, this group of players. You just can't. It's too embarrassing. I agree. I agree. Listen, uh, the one, yeah, the one thing that gives me hope, every game. The, the one thing that gives me hope is, you know, as much as Michael Bradley's meant to this team with his captaincy and like being the captain of this team throughout the whole glory run of 2017 and, and all that fun stuff, you know, when Bob Bradley came in, it became toxic. You know, him, he had Mark Anthony K was one of his boys, uh, Michael Bradley obviously being a son, and that's what caused a lot of friction in the locker room. That's all gone. It's Osorio's team now to captain. Um, who I think is is really one of the best Toronto FC players of all time. Not Easy. Just because, yeah. just because of what Agreed. he's done for this club over the years he's been here. It, he was in here for the bad stuff, and then he got here for the really good stuff, and he still yeah. stayed here and didn't go anywhere when, when it got even wor- when it got worse again. So he's one of those club legends. He's not the best player to ever put on the kit, but he's one of the most respectable. So now that Consistent. it's his team yeah. and everything, I, I think there's a turnaround coming. I think there has to be. Uh, the team is too talented not to. It's just I don't know what to expect. Am I supposed to expect fighting for a playoff spot? Am I supposed to expect maybe fighting for a chance at the at, at a top seed in the East? I don't know. No, I don't think a top seed. I think I think fighting for a playoff spot is realistic for this team, right in the middle of the table. I yeah, don't. Eight. I don't think you're finishing last place again. I think that's outrageous. But I don't think uh, you're going to oh, be a Joe, contender. I'm, I'm calling it now. I think it's last place. <laughs> really, <laughs> Dante, you're I just so sour about last year, bro. Come on. Joe, I'm, I'm infuriated. I can I can hear it in your voice. Infuriated. Right, okay, Dante. Dante, I, Dante, I got rid I, of my seasons. If I could give you a scenario where we get rid of the two Italians and we start over from scratch, are you saying yes or no? Yeah. Really? See, and that's crazy because, you know, like, yeah. the, the whole Italian community, you're either – a lot of people here, Juventus fans, so obviously Bernadeschi coming in was a big one. Um, not a lot of Napoli fans, but Insignia was so big for Italy as a whole that him coming in here was a massive one too, right? Where people would just almost rather us suck as long as they get to still see them uh, play at BMO Field. You know what I mean? The thing is, Neeks, like with that salary, we can build a whole starting 11 with those yeah. two. You get rid yeah. of those two, we freeze up all that money, and I would rather get a few players of $2 million each, and next thing you know, we got a starting 11. Yeah. But yeah. You're not wrong. You know? I mean, at the end of the day, obviously, are they great players? Yes. But are they past their prime? Yes. Are they injury prone? Yes. And by the way, I just got a message from uh, a former attorney for the Manchester City. He doesn't work for them anymore. But I just got a message from him saying these guys ruined my entire day. So I know you (laughs) guys would probably be happy about that. Um, By the way, you guys listening should look up the Old Trafford is Falling Down song. Uh, that we in Manchester, in the northeast part of Manchester, invented. It is absolutely hysterical. Um, yeah, all, all, all 15 of the Man City fans there, I'm sure, invented Yeah, yeah, the very small group, me being one of them, um, definitely invented. It's it's such a fun song. I'm starting to sing it, like, in my dreams now. It's pretty great. Um, it's like, it's stuck in my head. You know one of those songs that just gets stuck in your head? It hasn't really left my head in the last 10 days. Well, I'm, I'm sure you're going to have a great Sunday tomorrow because, uh, as I predicted on last week's pod, again, guys, I know this is coming out Thursday. We're doing this on Saturday, so the Man U-Liverpool game hasn't happened yet. But as on the last week's episode, I did predict a, a quite brutal hammering for Man U against Liverpool tomorrow. So I'm sure you'll be having fun with that. You know what? Honestly, it would, it would probably fare Man City better if Liverpool were to lose. It would, it would probably, 100% it would. But, uh, but nothing would make me happier than like a, a repeat of Liverpool 7 nothing win from, from last year. Like I would, I I would, I would trade in a Manchester City title to watch the Man United <laughs> oh, fan base cry themselves to sleep. Yeah. 
I Are we going to have a Brandon Staley moment here? Is that what you're saying? I, oh, no, it would be so cool if they did because I, 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 as much as I hate Man United, we all know that. It's a part of my DNA, um, and I can't stand them. I think they're human garbage cans. But they deserve to be a club that is of prestige. And I think what Eric Ten Hag's doing over there and that group, it's it's Bro. a slap in the face to, to a historic – and, and really impressive club, as much as I hate them. I hate to see them like this. I don't like this. I, I, it's, it's not good. It's, it's not disgusting. Good. And you know what? I, yeah. I, I will be the first to admit, before we hired him, I was on the Get Ten Hag train. I saw him at Ajax. I liked what I saw. I thought he could come in and do this team well. Uh, he came in. Obviously, first strike was the whole Ronaldo drama. Yeah. That fucking soured me that almost bullshit. instantly. But yeah. everything else he's done since then, I mean, the, the, the way the players he's brought in, the tactics he uses... Um, it, it, I just don't understand it and I want him gone. And that's why I'm calling for a Liverpool demolishing tomorrow. I'm hoping Liverpool wins eight, nine, nothing. And they fire 10 hag immediately after. Yeah. The by the they way, Anthony is one of the worst Brandon's players player. I've ever seen, by the way. Oh, I mean, he, he's not even the worst player on his uh, team because the team has fucking Harry Maguire. Harry Maguire. Oh, man. Like, it's, and, and again, a, a guy who it shows you how bad this team is that when he went down a few matches ago, people were like, oh, oh what are we going to do? When it's that's your worry, it's, it's, dude, it's, it's, I don't even know what to expect. When you're putting Johnny Evans in at center back, like, Oh, by the way, you guys should look up, go on Google and put African reporter Manchester United. And it is the funniest video ever. It is so funny. It's just oh, this, this African reporter that goes, Manchester United. Aha! And then just scream laughs for like 18 straight seconds. It is so funny. It's so good. Oh, I'll definitely, I'll definitely have to look that. It's up, so man. good. It's, it's spectacular. It makes my day. When I'm having a, a shitty mood, I'll go back and watch that video, and it just makes me smile all over again. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, you know what? We gotta get, we gotta make this happen more often. We gotta have Joe. You gotta be coming back with me, Dante. We get Tony in, so we have all four of us going Sounds one day. Good. These are some good combos we're having here, man. We should I do a roundtable when I get back to Canada for sure, dude. Like I, an in-person in. roundtable. Yeah, absolutely. I'd, I'd be down to that a hundred percent. Um, that, that sounds like it'd be a great time. We, we I'm definitely, down gotta as get, well. get, we gotta, we gotta get that going for sure. We should wrap up though, because normally we run like 45 minute episodes. This one's already an hour plus. So yeah, you're welcome guys. You're welcome. Listener. Oh, listen, <laughs> yeah. fantastic, fantastic insight. Joe coming from you and Dante always, man, having you on is always a pleasure too, brother. Um, thank you everyone for listening again, guys at footy LG, Spotify, Apple Music, as well as Instagram and TikTok as well. Make sure you're following those pages. And we're back here every Thursday, not always with the good friend Joe, but we'll try and get him on more, right, Dante? Sounds good, Nico. I'll make that happen. <laughs> all right. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next Thursday. Thank you, boys. Take care, guys.